It's so good to be back. It's good to be with you this morning. I missed you. Even though it was only a week, I missed you. But I want to thank Stephen for speaking last Sunday. I want to thank Nicole for speaking on Wednesday. Um, and uh, we're glad to be here this morning. Five weeks from today, two services. Five weeks from today, September the 12th, mark it down. The Oasis will begin two services September the 12th, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. So you either got to come an hour early or an hour later than you're used to right now. Uh, if you come at 10, you'll sort of miss both, you know. <laughs> so there you go. Um, be in prayer. I'm going to be meeting with all of our leaders tonight at 6 o'clock here at, this, at the church just to go over some things as we get ramped up for uh, moving into two services. Today, we begin a new sermon series, and it's entitled Made to Multiply. It is sort of the third part of a three-part sermon series. If you recall, we entered this year in the book of 2 Peter, talking about how God made us to mature, how salvation is not the end of our journey with God, it is just the beginning. And God desires us and expects us to grow as Christians, to live a life growing and increasing and maturing. And no better book could we study than 2 Peter for that topic or that subject. Then we just finished a series through 2 Corinthians on made to minister, saved to serve, that God doesn't just save us and forgive us of our sins and built a relationship with us so that we could go to heaven someday, but so that we could learn to serve him down here on earth because we're going to be serving him throughout all of eternity. Service is just something we as Christians are going to be doing all the time. And so no better book to learn how to be a servant than 2 Corinthians. But today we start made to multiply. And that's all about discipleship. And that's a word that we as Christians use a lot. Use a lot. You know, we, we talk about Jesus' disciples and being a disciple and discipleship. And for the next eight weeks, we're going to really dive into what the Bible has to say about discipleship. And here's what God wants to do for all of us through that series. He wants us to be open to being discipled as a Christian, because all of us as Christians, no matter what stage of our life with God we are in, all of us should be being discipled at all times. And we should be willing to disciple someone else at all times in our life. And there's no better relationship, if you will, that sort of sets the template, is the example for us to follow than the relationship between Paul and Timothy. What I don't want us to do, and I'm going to say this right up front, is don't put hard boundaries around everything. There's going to be a lot of crossover, if you will, in this series. Things are going to bleed into others. So don't be so rigid in your interpretation of discipleship and how that's fleshed out. Let God and his spirit just 
begin to take you through this journey this next eight weeks. And at the end of eight weeks, see where you are. And I'll even say this. If I could encourage you, if you have any questions about what we're going to be talking about, I would encourage you to save those questions for eight weeks from now. Because I may be able to answer some of your questions as we move along. But if you still have questions about this whole subject that we're going to be talking about over the next eight weeks, I would encourage you eight weeks from now, you come up and talk to me or set up an appointment and let's talk. Because I want to answer any unanswered questions I may have about discipleship. Because I in no way expect this series, even though it's going to go for eight weeks, is going to be an exhaustive study. There's no way we can do that with any subject in the Bible. But I think we're going to cover it pretty well. And God is simply wanting to move into our hearts and say, are you willing to be part of this type of relationship with another Christian in your life, you see? Because let me just even start here. What we do on Sunday and Wednesday with a big group like this, we could consider that discipleship to some degree. I mean, Jesus, there were times where he took a big crowd and he taught them. And in that way, that's partly what discipleship is, but that's certainly just a part. The part we really want to get to today and and get through the next eight weeks is about relationships. And not a bunch of relationships. It's about quality over quantity. It's about allowing God to bring into our life maybe one or two or a few people throughout our whole lifetime, and maybe us being brought into their life one or two, maybe a couple more in our whole lifetime that we can go to a connection and depth with that is both mutually spiritually beneficial, mutually encouraging, mutually refreshing, and where both of us in that relationship could never have gotten to that point without the other, but with the other, we can get to a place with God where not only are the two of us in that relationship like it was with Paul and Timothy benefiting from that relationship, but then God can use that partnership, that team, if you will, to bless so many other Christians. So here's where we're going to start today. We're actually not going to start in 2 Timothy, though that's where the main part of our series is going to be. You can have no discussion or study of discipleship without starting in Matthew 28. So if you turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, if you want to follow along, I'm going to begin in verse 18. Very familiar passage of Scripture to most Christians. It's been dubbed the Great Commission, sort of the last words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascended back to heaven. Sort of his final marching orders, if you will, for his people. And here's partly what he said. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Or literally, as you are going as a Christian, as you're moving through your life, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. And listen, I'm with you forever, even unto the very end. Make disciples. Not not get people saved. Make disciples. See, first distinction. 
all believers are not disciples, but all disciples are believers. Or let me say it this way. I'll start here. All disciples are believers in Jesus Christ. They have a personal relationship with him. But not all people who have a personal relationship with Christ are disciples. Disciples are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. They are growing and maturing, okay? Not all Christians are growing Christians. Not all Christians are serving Christians, as we've talked about. Not all Christians are, are obeying the will of God for their life and entering into these kind of relationships with other Christians, becoming who God made them to be. Because we don't become who God created us to be in isolation from other Christians, only as we get connected to other Christians and God uses other Christians in our lives can we become who God wants us to be. So the first question we have to ask today is, to everyone who's watching by live stream, who's here today, is, are you a disciple? And I guess we could even be begin with, are you a believer? Because you can't be a disciple of Jesus until you come to personal faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's where it starts. But if you are here or you're watching today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then the next question that has to be answered is, am I a disciple? And, and notice one of the first steps of obedience of being a disciple is being baptized. Have you been baptized? After salvation. By the way, we're going to be having a baptism for those of you that are interested this fall. I haven't set the date in stone, but it's going to be sometime in October. And if you can't make that one and you want to be baptized, then we'll have another one again in the spring. I sort of let that year of COVID go with baptism, obviously. But I want to throw that out today because that's one of the first steps of being a disciple is to just obey what Jesus said. He said, I want you to be willing to publicly identify yourself as a follower of me. And if you can't do that, if you can't come out in public and say, I'm not ashamed that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then that's where it starts, baptism. But then he goes on to say, and, and you need to be humble and teachable of spirit because he says they need to be people who are willing to be taught and who are learning. In fact, the word disciple literally means a learner, someone who's willing to always be learning and growing, someone who's not complacent, someone who's not satisfied no matter where they are in their relationship with God, like they've plateaued or they've gotten far enough. No, no. A disciple is one who will continue to grow until they are taken home to heaven. A disciple is one who will follow the will of God up until the day they go to heaven. So there's no, there's no like plateau there, right? So that's the question is, are we a disciple? And then obviously there is the whole command of Jesus, and it is a command, it's not a suggestion. Jesus says, I want my church, churches, I want my people to be making disciples. Not just getting people saved. That's obviously where it starts. But if churches and Christians are just getting people saved, 
but not focusing on the purpose of making disciples, then we're not being obedient to the command of Jesus. Jesus says, I want disciples, not just Christians. All right? So this is why we're having a series on discipleship. This is why we're having a series called Made to Multiply, because it's the will of God. We as a church cannot be fulfilling our purpose for being here if we're not engaged and interested and invested in making disciples. And we as Christians cannot say we're being obedient to our God if we're not becoming a disciple and that we're not interested and invested in making disciples ourselves. In other words, having God use our life as God used Paul and Timothy to positively influence and impact other Christians, and then to use that partnership, that team, to then impact the wider group of Christians. I'm not asking today or expecting all of you who are here and all of you who are watching to be in that kind of relationship. What God is expecting from all of us is that we're open to it, that we're open to maybe God leading us into a new season that we've never experienced in our life but we're willing to go and just see where God takes us. So with that as the foundation, now turn with me to Acts chapter 16. The reason we want to go to Acts 16 is this is where Paul first meets Timothy. And the Bible says in Acts 16 that as Paul came into a, a region called Derby and Lystra, that there was a young man there named Timothy who you'll notice the Bible says he was already a disciple. Very important. Keep that in mind because we're going to come back to that later on in the message. When Paul found Timothy and met him for the first time, he wasn't just a believer. He was already a disciple, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ who was growing and maturing as a young man in the faith. Okay? Now, something else interesting the Bible tells us about Timothy. It says he was the son of a Jewish mother and a Greek father. It also says that he was the son of a believing mother, but by implication, and I think we're going to see this later on, an unbelieving father. So notice then two things about Timothy that makes him unique in some way, besides many other things. He was both from a mixed racial background and he was from a mixed spiritual background. Now, let me encourage those of you here today with something about that. Far from those uniquenesses in Timothy's situation and circumstances being a hindrance to his discipleship and ministry, God wanted him to see that his unique situation and circumstance that he grew up in was actually going to bring glory to God as it does for all of us in our uniquenesses and that it's actually going to enlarge and expand what he could do for God because he, unlike some others, understood what it was like to grow up in a mixed racial family and a mixed spiritual family, if you will, well, where he had one saved parent and one unsaved parent and one who came from this culture and one who came from this culture. God was going to use him in then all of that 
as well as being somebody that God could use throughout his life to sort of be a peacemaker and bridge the gap sometimes between the division that could happen in situations like that. So God always uses our uniqueness. Don't despise the uniqueness that you are or that you have in God. God will always use that to bring glory and honor to him, no matter what that unique situation or set of circumstances is, okay? Then it goes on to say this. It says that the believers in this region spoke well of Timothy. We, we would say they had nothing but good things to say about him. So notice, when Paul met this young man, he was already a disciple, and he had a really good testimony amongst his fellow believers. And then it says this, Paul chose Timothy to accompany him. And that choice was not just, oh, I think I'll just ask. No, no. It was based on God's leading, and it was based on the things that he saw in Timothy, like, oh, this young man's already a disciple. You see, one of the things that we learn about discipleship is it takes time. It takes time to build relationships with other people, right? And all of us only have so much time in our day, in our week, in our month, in our year, in our lifetime. So that's why you got to get the mindset of, I'm looking for quality in a few relationships and not quantity, because you can't pour yourself in or be poured into by others and have it be many, many people. It's just a few. And so Paul saw something in Timothy, not only there, but then hearing what kind of reputation and testimony he said, this, this young man... He, he didn't pick somebody that wasn't faithful to invest his time into because you've you got to be strategic. You, you've got you to choose just a few people that, that you see that potential in and then ultimately that the Spirit of God leads you to, and that's the most important, that, that whoever God connects you and I with in this world as sort of disciples together, like Paul and Timothy, it's got to be of God because that's the only way it's going to work and that's the only way it's going to be effective because God knows that, that these two people will fit together, they will complement each other, they will help each other, they will help each other to get to a place they could never outside of on their own and all of that. So it's got to be God's leading and that's why Paul chose Timothy. And notice the result of these two men coming together and being that iron that sharpens iron and, and being that, that partnership and that team that really helped each other. Because many times when we talk about Paul and Timothy, people think, oh, Paul was his mentor and Paul just poured into Timothy, but Paul never really got anything from Timothy. Oh, no, no, no. You'll find out if you read the letters of Paul that, that Timothy was a huge help and, and a huge part of Paul's own spiritual growth and development and all that. It was mutual. They both were growing as they were in this dynamic relationship that God brought them into. And so notice because of these two coming together, look at verse 5 of Acts 16. 
What is the result of it? It says that the churches became stronger in the faith. It meant that the people of God, through their relationship, was growing spiritually. And then notice what it said. They were also increasing in number. So that the church was growing both spiritually and numerically through their partnership, you see. And that's the way discipleship works, and that's the way God designed it. God brings two people together. He connects those two people. They end up helping one another spiritually, and then that relationship helps so many other Christians that God works through them, not just individually, but as a partnership, as a team, to, to literally make a difference in the church, both physically and spiritually. If, if this relationship is not helping both of you spiritually, then that's not a discipleship relationship like God intended. And if that relationship then is not helping other Christians, then that's not how God intended it to be. That's what discipleship is all about, and that's why God wants us to enter into discipleship, because his purposes for our life and the potential that he placed within each of us can only be drawn out through him working in our lives through other people. And if we're not open to allowing those few other people that God wants to bring into our lives or allowing us to be taken into other people's lives, then that can never be realized and worked out and expressed the way God designed it. And you see this fleshed out through the life of Paul and Timothy. So with all of that said, go with me now to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're finally going to get to the book we're going to be in for the next eight weeks. That was just the introduction. But I promise we're, we're more than halfway there. Because some of you are going, man, he's, that's what happens when Jeff goes on vacation. Then he just comes back and he just, yeah. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to show you a couple other things here about this whole relationship that Paul and Timothy had. First of all, Paul's writing this letter primarily to Timothy, okay? So he's staying in touch with Timothy. If he can't be there with him physically, then he's at least going to somehow, our day and age, it would be email or texting, okay? But, but Paul's keeping in connection, and they're both keeping in connection with each other, right? And then Paul says this in verse 3. Among many other things, like he's thankful to God, he says this, he says, I am praying for you, Timothy, day and night. When you and I are in relationships with other Christians, we should be praying for each other. We're all commanded as Christians to pray for one another, right? And that should be true in a very general, wide way as we express that and as we flesh that out. But especially in these type of relationships, where God brings us into close connection and close contact with another Christian who's our Paul, our Timothy, and all of that, that we should be always praying for one another. That, that should just be part of it, right? And let me say this at, at this point, too. Again, that's why I said up front, don't, don't try to put hard parameters around the way this is defined and the way you interpret it. 
Um, because many of you have heard me say before that in order to have a well-balanced Christian life, all of us need a Paul in our life, someone who's sort of our mentor, who's pouring into us, a Barnabas, someone who's sort of our spiritual equal that we're just sort of, you know, being friends with and going through the Christian life with, and then someone who's Timothy, who's, who we're pouring into and, and we're mentoring. But make no mistake about it, there are times where God may bring someone into your life who fulfills two or three of those roles all at the same time by the same person. See, sometimes one person can be your Paul Barnabas and your Timothy, in a sense. It can happen. It's rare, but it can happen. Or they could be your Barnabas and Timothy, and then you might have another Paul or whatever. But don't, don't get caught up with, again, trying to put hard frame. Let God just work and see who he brings into your life and who he draws you into their life. That's the main thing. And that one of the marks of that type of friendship, discipleship, relationship, partnership, call it whatever you want between Paul and Timothy, is they're going to be staying in contact with each other any way that they can, and they're going to be praying for each other. You and I need to know that our discipleship partners are praying for us continually. That's a strength. That's an encouragement right there. And then notice what else he says. He says to Timothy, I recall your tears. You know what else that tells us then about a relationship like this? That it's deep enough. It's not a superficial relationship like a lot of Christians have with other Christians. It's that one or two relationships you have with another Christian where you know that you can be yourself and you can share your heart and where you share things emotionally with each other and where you laugh together and where you cry together. And Paul and Timothy had that. They were vulnerable. And then he says this, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. Again, there's that, I, I want us to be together because every time we're together, it is so refreshing. It is a source of joy. I, I walk away, Timothy, every time from your presence and just, it's good. You know how some relationships in your life, you get together with somebody and you just feel like you've been sucked dry, like you've been drained and you walk away going, oh my goodness, I need about another month before I can do that again because I need to like get myself built back up for that, right? And, and I, we, we all have those type of relationships. Sometimes they're in our family, sometimes they're friends that we, you know, sometimes they're coworkers or associates or whatever, but we all have that. Hopefully we're not that to them or others. But then there's those relationships with, it's like, you get together, and it's just like time just flies. It's like we just sat down, and, 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 and it's so good, and it's so positive, and you walk away going, wow, I can't wait to the next time we're able to get together again because it was so mutually spiritually beneficial. It was mutually encouraging and mutually refreshing, and it was just such a breath of fresh air. That's Paul and Timothy. That's where they were with each other. But then notice this. Then he says something very important. This goes back to what I said at the very beginning of the message. Because remember, 
When Paul met Timothy, Timothy was already a disciple of Jesus Christ, Acts 16. And now we find out why. Because Paul says in verse 5, I also recall the faith that was first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it's also in you. And notice, I think it's no small thing that Paul did not mention Timothy's father or grandfather, either because they were no longer on the scene, had died, maybe were not part of Timothy's life, or they were not Christians. The only two Christian influences that Paul mentions in Timothy's life was his grandmother and mother. Now, I've got a lot to say here, so bear with me. Where is the foundation for being a disciple of Jesus Christ laid? It is laid in the home. In the home. It doesn't end in the home, but it has to begin in the home. And here should be an encouraging thing for many of us, is that it doesn't need to be a perfect home. Because first of all, can I tell you, if you don't already know this, there's no perfect home. There is no perfect home. And yet, through the influence of Timothy's grandmother and mother, Timothy became a disciple very early on in his life. Not just a believer in Jesus Christ. He became a disciple, not just through the things that he heard his grandmother and mother say, but through what he saw in their life, because faith is caught as much as it is taught. As now both a parent and a grandparent, this verse really spoke a lot to me. It is a reminder to all of us as Christians how important the home and those family relationships are. That we as not just parents, but as grandparents can play a huge role in setting up our children and grandchildren for spiritual success in their life. And that primarily... The responsibility of them getting to that point is not the church. It is not even a Christian or private school. It is the home. It is our job as parents and grandparents to lay and be the example and model of being a disciple of Christ ourselves because how can we encourage our children or grandchildren to be disciples of Jesus if we're not disciples of Jesus? The only way you and I can make disciples, which is a command given to us by Jesus, both for the church and for us individually, is by being a disciple ourselves. You and I cannot reproduce what we don't have in us. Therefore, it starts with us. Each of us in this room, even if we're not a parent or grandparent, 
Hopefully, we're open to saying, God, I need to start following your command to making disciples. And the only way I can be used by you to make other disciples is to become a disciple myself, a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ who's growing and maturing and allowing you, God, to draw me out into a bigger life than what I have gotten to at this point. But here's also the deal with parents and grandparents and family and home. And that is, we only can take our children and grandchildren so far, and then we've got to release them. And we've got to be willing to allow God to bring in others, significant others into their life in order to get them to that next place. And it can't be us all the time. In fact, many times, can I say this without hopefully offending too many of you out there? Many times, we as grandparents and parents can actually be a hindrance to our children and grandchildren's discipleship. Why? Because we want to keep them. And we want to we keep them in that comfort zone. And we want to keep them in that bubble. And God's got a bigger life for them than what we're comfortable with. And that was even true of Paul and Timothy. That, that's why, in a sense, the grandmother and mother took him this far, and now it's almost like you can even see they're handing him off, and now God brings this man named Paul into Timothy's life. And Paul now is going to take Timothy further than he would have ever been able to go or willing to go just under his grandmother and mother. And here's why. Because we learned something about Timothy in these last couple verses we're going to look at this morning. Timothy was naturally an introvert, like many of you. He was naturally timid and sort of backward. If it was up to Timothy, Timothy would have been in the background all his Christian life. He was comfortable just sort of being in the back. But he did not want any parts of being up front. And probably his grandmother and mother were okay with that. But now Paul comes into his life, and he sees that God has something more for Timothy and bigger for Timothy than what maybe others have seen, and maybe even what Timothy has seen. And so Paul says these words to him in verse 6 and 7. Rekindle the gift that God has given you. Literally stir it up, fan the flame. What's the gift? Well, let me say this. I think you could generally describe it as the God-given potential that he's put in each of us. When, when, when we were saved, God placed within us this God-given potential. Each of you are a gift. And each of us, as a gift from God, have gift in us, God-given potential. And basically what Paul is saying to Timothy is, you know what God wants me to do as part of this partnership? He wants me to draw that out of you. He wants me to use that relationship to draw out of you all of your potential. And that's what a good biblical discipleship partnership is all about. Because Timothy did that for Paul, too. They both were drawing out of each other their full God-given potential that God had placed within them. And when discipleship works right, 
That's the way it works. Again, mutually beneficial, mutually strengthening, mutually encouraging, mutually comforting, mutually refreshing, and mutually stretching one another. And that's Paul and Timothy. And then Paul says this, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, timidity, cowardice. Timothy would have been so satisfied just to sort of stay in that little bubble, stay in his comfort zone, and stay in the back. But God had a plan bigger than that for Timothy. You know what it was? To pastor a church. And you can't be back here fearful, cowarding, you know, staying in the back if God's called you to be a pastor. You got to be willing to be up front to put yourself out there, to step out. And that's the way it is for all of us. God may not be calling you or someone else to be a pastor, to be in full-time ministry, but God is calling all of us out more than where we are right now. And discipleship relationships helps to draw that out and helps to encourage us to come out of our shell and to begin to step out and to step into things that we normally wouldn't because now we have this partner who's sort of always there to encourage us and pray for us and cheer us on and all of that we're more willing to do it because we know we're not alone we know god's in it and that god is using this other person in my life to continually to to get me to go further and further out because i naturally want to stay back there and just sort of be in my comfort zone what a great relationship these two had these two changed the dynamic of churches, changed the dynamic and landscape of, of many communities of believers, just the two of them. And, and that's what God can do with just two people like a Paul and Timothy who, who come together under God's leading and God's direction and, and who, who begin to allow God to, to build this relationship that not only takes the two of them further, but then God can work through them to, to just impact and influence so many other people. And here's the big thing for us today. God didn't just have that plan and purpose for Paul and Timothy. God has that plan and purpose for each and every one of you here. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then this is how God wants to work in your life too. He wants you to be willing to be a disciple. And then as you are being a fully devoted, growing, maturing Christian, then God will either lead you into someone else's life or God will lead someone into your life. He will connect the two of you you all will begin to, to sort of do life and ministry and all of that together, and you will build a connection that will not only be mutually beneficial to each of you, but will impact positively a wider range of Christians. And God wants to do that with everyone. Now, I'll say this. God may lead you into someone else's life for this or someone into your life, and it might be for years that you're together, like Paul and Timothy. But it also might be for a season. Again, don't put 
hard boundaries or definitions to all this. Let God do what only God can do and let him lead. But the important thing is God just wants to look into each of our hearts today. And first of all, say this. Am I willing to be a disciple? Because I can't make disciples if I'm not being a disciple. And then am I willing to be part of a Paul and Timothy type situation? Am I willing to, to invest enough time to make that work? Because it is going to be an investment of time and energy and effort. But oh my goodness, the benefit and the profit that could come to both of us and to a wider range of Christians if I'm open to that. Or am I going to continue to sort of stay in my little bubble, stay in my little comfort zone, stay in the background, and not be willing to step out and step up? God is saying to all of us today, you can't be a disciple of mine and you can't make disciples for me unless you're willing to step out and step up. Are we willing to do that as a church? Are we willing to do that as individuals today? That's the question before us this morning. Would you stand with me and pray as our worship team comes? Father God, I pray today that each of us would be open, Lord, to your voice in our life, to your leading, to your guiding, to your Holy Spirit. God, it's so easy for all of us to stay within our comfort zones, to stay comfortable, to stay in the bubble. But God, from the very beginning of this service, I think God's had a point to make. When Tony came up and talked about courage and when Nicole led us through all those songs of not being afraid and you being with us, and then in her prayer, Lord, she said the same thing, like, God, as your people, just may we be willing to just step out and step up. And God, you've said that now to each of us through this message. So God, here today, I just pray that as we end our time in worship today, that God, in our hearts, we will be open to whatever you have for us. And that we will realize, God, that what you have for us is bigger and greater, that there's still so much within us that needs to be drawn out, and, and that can only come through these type of relationships. So God, may we be open. May we be open. In Jesus' name we pray.